from Tobacco Republic in Loomis, California. This is Beyond the Humidor, a cigar podcast for the rest of us. With your host, Greg Perry, Louis Starr, and I am Scott Robinson. Today's featured guests are Sarah Belt, tobacconist Craig Perry, and Bob Bausma. All right, well, let me welcome one and all to our fifth installment of Beyond the Humidor. Scott Robinson with you, and I am with my fellow reprobates, Sans Lewis. Lewis had some business to take care of tonight, so wherever you are, Lewis, take care, and we will see you on the next show. We've got Bob. Say hello to the good people, Bob. Good evening. All right, all right. And Craig. Yes. How you doing tonight? I'm fantastic. How are you? Outstanding. Love outstanding. the shirt, by the way. It's a fa- it is a great shirt. It is a it? great shirt. America. I feel, like, I feel like signing up right now. <laughs> I, for one, I'm loving the shirt, man. Too bad we're not on video. You know, everyone gets a glimpse of that. I love oh, it. I will take a photo and make sure it ends up on social media. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Outstanding, outstanding. And Sarah, say hello to the people. Well, hello, people. <laughs> All you fabulous people out there. I yeah. like your sweater, by the way. Thanks to Larry. Yes, yes. Thank you, Larry. In oh. case you guys don't know, she's got the new Beyond the Humidor sweater. Sorry, it's not out yet, folks. But it will it be is soon. A, it is a Sarah exclusive. And we have Greg Perry speaking at this moment. Well, y'all know I'm always here. Never get rid of me. Love it, love it, love it. So let's just start like we always start and talk about what we're smoking. I, for one, I am smoking the Ashton, excuse me, Ashton, Ashton, thank you, words again, Ashton VSG. I'm going to speak and spell for you. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You know, that would be awfully nice. Christmas is coming up. Maybe one of the, maybe that computer that Stephen Hawking has. (laughs) Yeah, but I can still walk. So what am I going to do? Have this thing wrapped around my neck? Hello, people. I can't even do the robot voice right. Wow. We can break our arms and legs if we need to. Don't worry. We got you covered. Yeah, no we'll problem. get you in that chair one way or another. Yeah, you can try. <laughs> <laughs> well, on to the Ashton. Um, comes from the Dominican Republic um, with an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper and a Dominican Republic binder as well as filler. It's a five and a half inch, 50 ring gauge. Robusto Extra. Goes for about 11 bucks MSRP. Was released back in July of 2011. Um, I'm getting very, you know, lots of cream. It's very creamy and rich. And I'm truly enjoying it, as well as the drink that I'm drinking. And we'll get onto that in a second. But, Bob, tell us what you're smoking this evening. Uh, this evening, I am smoking a Fuente Opus X Perfection X. Uh, beautiful. A little stick here that I received as a gift that I am enjoying. Very nice, very smooth. Outstanding. What you got there, Craig? I'm smoking the Aladino Grand Reserva. It's a Corojo wrapper, binder, and filler made in Honduras. Just a beautiful smoke, floral, sweet, rich. It's made by Julio and Justo Arroya, and they left the they left Cuba back in the '60s. Bought out of land in the Dominican Republic, and bought out of land in Honduras, and brought their seed with them and started making cigars, just like they were doing in Cuba, but in Honduras. Good stuff. That's fantastic. Well, since you got into it, Greg, tell us what you're smoking. Okay, 
not to leave Sarah out, we'll get to her in just a second. Absolutely. So I am smoking one that I have featured before on the show, and it's become actually one of my favorites. It's an H. Upman. It's the vintage Cameroon. Uh, I this time I have the the. Uh, I think it's a Toro. Would be pretty close. It's a six and one eighth by fifty two. Um, it is a medium strength. Its origin is when the in Nic- uh, Dominican Republic can't talk tonight either. This could be an interesting podcast if none of us can speak. Um, it's a Cameroon wrapper. It happens to be one of my favorite leaves. It's a natural colored wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and the filler, actually, Bob, you know, we were talking about this earlier. This one's actually a blend of uh, Dominican, Nicaraguan, and Peruvian tobacco. So uh, it's very smooth. It's, like I said, quickly become one of my favorites. Creamy, rich, real earthy. You know, and uh, I hate to say it, but I think I'm going to have to get a box of these because the samples we got from Denver are just not enough. I only got one left. Now, Greg, do you get all of those um, flavors in that cigar? Do you Can you tell the difference with the, the, is there a layering of the Dominican and the Nicaraguan in there? To be brutally honest, no. I, I just know that I like it a lot. Um, you know, we were talking earlier today before the show was recording about, about flavoring and since none of us are subject matter experts, it's very hard to talk about getting those tones and those flavors of the Nicaraguan versus the Honduran versus the Peruvian because my palate's just not there yet. But, you know, that's a, a long journey to get there, and I'll get there. I do notice, though, you know, the subtle hints of, of some spice in the background. So that would be the Nicaraguan tobacco. So, Sarah, what you got going on over there for smoking? So tonight I am smoking the Christoph Corojo Limitada. I had a fairly decent meal not long before we started recording. Um, so it's a, a Corojo wrapper um, and then a Dominican binder and then a Dominican and Nicaraguan filler. Um, what I really like about this cigar is that it's a little bit spicy and kind of on the heavier side of medium. Um, so it really satisfies that post heavy meal, um, cigar need, um, and goes really well with our beverage of choice tonight. Well, since we are speaking on the beverage of choice, we are drinking from silver screen, um, bottling the James T. Kirk straight bourbon whiskey. Yes. We're all that nerdy. Oh yeah, we are. Comes from, um, the barrels are from Kentucky, Tennessee, and um, Indiana. Didn't know Indiana had um, whiskey barrels, but okay, fine. It definitely yeah. tastes like a fabulous Merkin. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> this one actually happens to be the 12-year-old uh, straight bourbon whiskey. And yes, you folks out there in listener land, the bottle is exactly as nerdy as you think. It's got the United Federation of Planets logo and James T. Kirk's signature on it. So, you know, it's still good bourbon. Now, they say that they aged this bourbon uh, from 4 to 12 year. So, not sure when I was looking. I didn't see variants of that. There is a reserve that I would love to try. You won't see many variants because it's such a small batch. Um, I kind of discovered this one. It's my my take for the night. Uh, Quite out of the blue, you know, it's one of the pages that I follow on Facebook. And uh, they were offering it, so I bought... uh, bottle for myself and a bottle is a gift and it's really good whiskey well i gotta say very good choice it is complimenting this ashton very very well 
I like how it complements complements the creaminess of the cigar. Yeah. If I may, can we propose a quick toast? Um, you know, we have lost several members of the of the community at Tobacco Republic, and uh, Facebook happened to remind me that it is uh, Judy Schwartz's birthday. Unfortunately, she passed a couple of of uh, years back, but uh, happy birthday, Judy. We're having a drink for you. Happy birthday. Cheers. And if we could, let's blow some good smoke up to her. Absolutely. Phrasing. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Well, since we're talking about James T. Kirk Bourbon switching gears... Grind that gear, Scott. Oh, <laughs> put, you forgot to push the clutch in. I'm killing that transmission right now. <laughs> if it could talk, it'd be like the end of the fly. Help me. <laughs> anyway, since we're drinking um, James T. Kirk bourbon, I want to talk a little bit about Star Trek. I think it's apropos. Why not? We've touched on cigars on the last few episodes, so let's change subjects a little bit. All right, so let's change it up a little bit. I, for one, and I'm going to age myself a little bit, but not too, too much. When the original series came out, I wasn't born yet. Well, the third season I was, but (laughs) anyway, I saw it in syndication as a kid. Didn't really get it until I graduated from high school and I was working nights and I'd come home and, you know, unwind, watch a little TV, and... That summer, I watched the entire syndicated original Star Trek series and really enjoyed it. Even with some of the hacky acting, it's still one. It's still classic television, I think. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. It is definitely one of the classics out there. You, you got to love those scenes, though, where the Enterprise is under attack and you see everybody going from one side of the ship to the other side of the ship <laughs> and back and forth. And for you youngsters out there, if you happen to be nostalgic and want to check this out, it is not James Cameron's special effects. A lot of cardboard cutouts and, you know, choppy special effects. But Even TV lighting. And then, yes. and then even worse than that, most of the scenes of the cityscapes of the planets were the exact same no matter what planet they landed on. <laughs> it was all filled in California, baby. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you, know, but, you know, Scott, it was really ahead of its time. I think it was, too. And, of course, it spurred um, many um, reboots and um, different versions of the story. But I think the original still holds a place for me. Even because you're old. Hey, <laughs> I'm not that old. Have you midlife crisis yet? <laughs> yes, he bought his Harley. Then you're old. I'm sorry. You all suck. <laughs> you're kind of quiet over there, Sarah. What do you think? Trekkie or non-Trekkie, or you could care bloody less. Sue. She's a Wesley Crusher fan, by the way. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, 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 hey. They're all starting rumors. Um, So I grew up in a Star Wars household. Um. So I didn't really get into a whole lot of Star Trek. Um, That's okay. The first, you know, step in solving a problem is admitting that you have a problem. Wow. Not saying that I don't appreciate Star Trek. I just was raised in a Star Wars household. It's like saying you're Catholic versus Protestant household. Come on now. Just 
you got it wrong. You have to bow down to original sin. <laughs> in all oh, fa- my. In Thank all you, fairness. In all fairness, I do enjoy Star Wars, the first three. And I, by oh. the mean, what I mean by the first three. Four, five, is, and six. Damn right. Okay. We can still be friends, Scott. Yes. <laughs> Although with how bad the new Star Wars have been, it really makes me look back on the prequels a little more fondly rather than scorn and hatred. He's so annoying. So, so oh, Bob. Um, <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, so it's funny that we were talking about the prequels and, and the current movies. Um, I... I started watching the first episode and then I got into the second and Hayden Christensen made Anakin look so pathetic that I couldn't even bring myself to watch the third. So to this day, I still haven't seen episode three. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Is it me or is she trying to hijack our Star Star Trek talk? I think she's trying to hijack it. Never would I ever. The only reason to watch the third one is for Emperor Palpatine. Yes. Oh, sure. The guy loves being evil so much he gets off on it. Like, he's the best part hands down. Right. I agree. He's so comical. He's so, like, he just, it's like he loves what he does. It just makes it enjoyable to watch. It's like, you've got the most emotion in in this movie. Please continue. So, question. And Greg touched upon this earlier. Who is the most useless Star Trek character? I'll reserve my vote till the end. Bob. Well, being a fan of the original series. Amen, brother. Uh, my vote would go for Nurse Chapel, who I found to uh, serve very little function. Uh, you know, I think it was her relationship with Gene Roddenberry that got her that part. That's and, the sole purpose. <laughs> yeah. Kept her in that show. So... She would get my vote. I would argue whichever person got assigned the uncool task of red shirt number three, because they, <laughs> they always died. And they were the first one to get off, too. <laughs> Wasn't he panicky idiot number three in the Tower in Inferno? Probably. But no, the, the red shirt guys had their use because, you know, it was total foreshadowing. It's like, you see a, you see a red shirt, you know someone's going to die. And it's more than likely him. Especially when the away team is Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and two red shirts. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Well, you knew who wasn't going to get killed. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, oh, guess the three stars are staying. <laughs> yeah, as the red shirt guys get the script, they're like, oh, don't bother. I know I'm already dead. Before even the beginning credits start. But did you notice how many of them were resurrected somehow and then they died again and again and again? Well, they did have teleportation technology. They could break you down molecule by molecule and put you back together. Maybe the teleportation was a sick cloning experiment that they just didn't tell us about. That's my Star Trek conspiracy moment. You know, that's a funny, <laughs> it's a funny you say that, Craig, because there's a YouTube channel that talks about the science of Star Trek in that light. Really? And it's actually amusing to watch. <laughs> i got to see this now. Yeah. Oh, that'll be funny. So, Scott, who's your character? I'm going to agree with Bob. Nurse Chapel had no use whatsoever. I would say Chekhov, however, he had his uses in um, an episode here and there. One of my favorite episodes is Mirror Mirror, where the Enterprise was basically just full of evil people trying to kill each other. 
And it was just a lot of fun to watch, especially seeing Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock, with a goatee. That was awesome. Yes. yes. Quite evil. Uh, <laughs> any opinion from the Star Wars fans? Not yet. Me don't know. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. All right, you're not getting off lightly, Greg. What, what was the most useless one? So, not to date myself, but um, when I started watching Star Trek, it was The Next Generation, and that was running in syndication, believe it or not. And so, the most useless character in the Star Trek universe is Wesley Crusher. Here's an annoying little know-it-all that at 10 years old knows how to run the freaking starship. Frame it correctly. He's a plot device. That's true. He is a plot device. And then on top of that, they prosecute Julian Bashir's parents for genetic exper- genetic enhancements, but they don't prosecute Dr. Crusher for having the smartest kid in freaking Starfleet. Really? Just my opinion. <laughs> well, since you brought up the whole genetic thing with um, Dr. Bashir from Deep Space Nine, man, I am sounding more and more like a nerd. I really do have a life... <coughs> No, you, you can I be really do cool stuff. You do not. Don't lie. <laughs> Actually, that's You're sitting we... here with us. Yeah, you smoke cigars. We podcast, and you know you occasionally get to ride your Harley. You know, it's it's just the way it is. And I've got lots of guns, and I do Krav Maga. How cool is that? True, true. Uh, super cool. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> do you work for? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I need to can that joke. So, so. But if you've seen Archer, you know where I'm going with that. But back to where I was <laughs> yeah. going to when we were on this track about the um, genetic um, rearranging and whatnot. Best villain was Khan. He was awesome, played brilliantly by Ricardo Montalban. The rich Corinthian leather. For all you youngsters out there who don't get that joke, he was the spokesman for a Chrysler back in the 70s. The Chrysler Cordoba. Yes. Look it up on YouTube. He has such a rich, soothing voice. Plays an excellent bad guy. He was also Mr. Rourke on Fantasy Island for all you youngsters out there. Now that's dating yourself, man. Oh, yeah, it is. Big time. Love Boat in Fantasy Island. That was a night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I can't disagree with you on Khan, but DS9, to save themselves from cancellation, brought in what I think was also an equally evil enemy and that was the founders with the dominion because they brought in a group Khan was maniacal against kirk and wanted to destroy kirk the dominion wanted to end the federation completely so i think that was a great um oh it's photo up i think that was a great uh everybody look professional now i think that was a great way to bring in an evil character and then of course you know the borg I, I was going to vote for the Borg, but I I think I'm going to go with Khan as well. I mean, Khan was just sensational. It was just so sensationally acted. That episode, Space Seed, that he um, came on to, I believe it was the second season, spurred Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And it was like watching Shakespearean theater, especially near the end of that movie when he quotes Moby Dick. Yes. That was awesome. And he did it well. I mean, you really believe for a minute you almost could see Ahab in him. Yes, yes, absolutely. And if you haven't read that book, read it with a pillow. That makes no sense. You'll go to sleep. Moby Dick's boring. I liked Moby Dick. Yeah, the Patrick Stewart version. 
the movie doesn't count, Scott. No, no. I read, <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> Call me Ishmael. Yes, I read the book. Believe it or not, I read. Joke omitted. <laughs> Greg, you are within arm's reach of me. I can show you what we um, practiced in Krav last night. Please do. <laughs> Thanks. Now, now, Scott, do you have a favorite Star Trek episode? Hmm. Okay. All genre, all all uh, seasons can be included. I still go back to the original because they worked so well with what little they had. They didn't have special effects, but the writing was good. Um, Mirror Mirror was one of my favorite ones, of course. And the comic relief one, The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, yeah. That was a fun episode. Mm -hmm. It was indeed. And I was going, I was thinking of that one, but then I thought of one I liked more, which was a piece of the action. Oh, yeah, that's right. that was a great one. Yes. Mobsters in space. Yeah, that was awesome. And I also loved when they went back in time or they had like the, what was it? They went back in time or was it the Nazi planet? Like World War II? It was the Nazi planet. Yeah, the Nazi planet and then um, Rome. Yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the one starship captain went nuts and made himself into a Caesar. He who, he who, and then there was also the one where they did, I think it was the children of Apollo or something like that where they, where the Greek gods appeared and wanted to be worshipped again. Yes. Oh, and you can't forget Charlie X. No, no, you can't forget Charlie X, the precursor to Q. Yes. But, you know, Craig and I, I think, would fall under a different category, and I think Craig shares this opinion. Favorite episode was in The Next Generation, The Measure of a Man, where Data's put on trial, whether he is sentient or not. Oh, yes. Yeah. That is a a good episode. Yeah, when I was a kid, what I liked about Star Trek, kid and teenager, is... It asked these really good philosophical questions that she didn't think about at that age, and that's what I really liked. Measure of Man was an episode that really stuck out for me. But my other episode that I probably put as my favorite is Tapestries, the episode where Picard is about to die, and Q gives him the option, I could, you can go back in time and not get the mechanical heart that will fail and kill you now, or you can proceed as you are and die. And he takes the option and goes back, and he takes all the safe choices, and he's some lowly, miserable science officer and not the captain. And just watching him go through the depression and all that other shit as he's struggling with the fact that he cannot be who he wants to be given that he had to take all the safe options. Like I like the fact that it asked those questions and put those scenarios out there. It was my favorite part about Star Trek. It was a, a show that made me think a lot when I was younger. There weren't too many when we watched, uh, you know, G.I. Joe or Ninja Turtles, even though I love those shows. They didn't ask those kind of questions. <laughs> you know, I got to agree with you. I forgot about Measure of a Man. That was real interesting. And also Tapestries, because I really enjoyed that one, seeing him as just this, what was he, a junior grade lieutenant? Yes. Yeah, junior grade lieutenant science officer. Right. In a green uniform. Was it green or was it blue? It's blue. I don't know. I'm colorblind. You're in on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, as far as you're concerned, it's gray, right? Yes. Yeah. Joke aside, he really is colorblind. Yes, I am. <laughs> He's going to get ADA dispensation anytime now. Let's hope so. <laughs> you know, Scott, another, uh, another one that I liked, uh, although it was the movie, was Star Trek IV, uh, when they come back to Earth and try to fit in. And there are those who love that. The, that movie, those who hate that the movie. The whales. Uh, forget the whales. I want it to commit <laughs> murder right now, folks. It is. There it is, is going to be a murder on this podcast. You really said Star Trek Four. 
Oh, I love the the attempted use of profanity. (laughs) (laughs) When they were trying to fit in, right? But but they just came up with the most absurd uses of profanity. I would rather be strapped to a chair and forced to watch the first season of TJ Hooker. It wasn't the Bachelor. I'm going to agree with Bob. I did enjoy the campiness and the goofiness of that episode. It was a lot of fun. Star Trek if, Six. If, if you don't take it too seriously, it was a lot of fun. How can you take it seriously? You can't. You it's can't. like Star Trek One. You got to laugh at it. The V'ger, the motion picture, the V'ger orifice they were flying into, and yep. that's their dirty joke, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, of course, there was then there, of course, there was a Futurama spoof on the motion picture. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the V'giny satellite. <laughs> God, that was yep. hysterical. <laughs> oh. Or wait, wait, the best one was is when they go back where they have all the heads and they take all the original <laughs> cast members yes. back to the planet. And they got to deal with that super crazy Star Trek fan. Who's the gas the powers monster. Of the Q, yeah. Oh. Trek Fest 3002 or something like that. That was yeah. so funny. <laughs> well, before this degenerates into well, all things Trek. <laughs> well, she. <laughs> it's too late, man. It's too late. Reel it in, Scott. <laughs> I'm going to reel this in for the sake of our listeners. <laughs> Hoping we, we didn't lose everybody thinking, I don't do this as a car podcast. What is this all this Star Trek crap? <laughs> that's why it's hey, called Beyond the that's Humidor, That's why it's baby. called Beyond the Humidor. Amen. Is there an echo in this room? Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get on to another topic. So, um, recently, Nick Jonas of the Jonas Brothers. No, I don't listen to his music. Just happened to hear about it, and it was in the Twitter sphere. Um, Nick Jonas is on the newest cover of Cigar Aficionado. Sarah, what? Huh? What Sarah, you, what? you you brought this up yeah, to us. So, uh, oh, up. I just it's your show. <laughs> Would you take the lead, please? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> appreciate the warning, y'all. Um, so Sarah, I just. What? Profound thing to say, Sarah. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> well, I think one of oh, these... Oh, y'all. Can I at least... Mm. Mm-hmm. Fire away. <sighs> okay. This is the not kill Greg moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll teach you um, some things after the um, thank you. show, Sarah. Thanks, Scott. Photon torpedoes <laughs> coming out our deflector dish. <laughs> So, Bob, have you read have you read Cigar Aficionado recently? Uh, I've looked at the pictures. Sure, pretty pictures. Uh, uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> they are pretty pictures. Uh, you, know, you know, I look at Cigar Aficionado every once in a while. Sure. I saw, um, I think, much like Scott, I saw uh, tw- uh, tweets and things like that on this subject. Okay. Um, and and the uh, the fallout right. from it largely uh, from fans who thought it was wildly inappropriate for right. them to do that. Some right. of the um, tweets were, and I'll give a couple examples here. Looking through Twitter, um, I'm not going to use names. I'm just going to quote um, one um, tweeter. Is that it? One tweeter. God, I sound old. One twit. Yeah, one. 
<laughs> shut up. Just don't up. change don't the vowel it. in don't that word. <laughs> well, one what tweet. are you implying there, Sarah? Would so, you, so nothing would you at all, like to Craig. enlighten us? Nope. On so, the Scott, meaning. The tweet. Okay, so um, here's one tweet. Gross and irresponsible as a singer and a human. Raised knowing the health risk, but okay. Another one is, what about your lungs? Another is, there are many other accomplishments to be proud of. And here is a personal plea to Nick. Please stop smoking, Nick. Your voice and lungs, or as they spell it, langs, L-A-U-N-G-S, are going to pay all those cigars damn public education system. I didn't realize he smoked cigarettes and vape. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> but you know, one of the things that the one of the things that I took away from this um, when Sarah brought it to my attention was that nobody you know, why is everybody getting fervor fervent and and angry over an adult making a choice? It's not like it's a kid. Anybody? Crickets? Well, oh. one of the things is, you know, and I think you and I talked about this at one time, Greg. The most militant anti-tobacco folks are ex-smokers. And I guess you have to be that way because, let's be honest, we know nicotine's addictive and it's really hard to kick. So once you kick it, you have to have a mentality that you hate it so, so much. And there's a lot of anti-tobacco fervor where folks are equating everything into one. You have cigarettes, cigars, and vape. Um, everything except for marijuana. It's in a class by itself. It's a drug. It's good for you, and it does lots and lots of helpful things. Nice PSA there. No, nah, nah, just, you know, I'm just talking about the thinking. I'm not talking about my personal views, or am I? Well, speaking of that, you know, do you realize nicotine's in, like, tons of different foods, like peppers, cauliflower, tea, eggplants, potatoes, tomatoes, because it's a natural pesticide, right? What people are getting addicted to is the synthetic nicotine they put in cigarettes. That's absolutely true. It's not the same thing. Well, it is kind of the same thing. But I think it goes back to Greg. It's a matter of choice. I mean, honestly, my view of life is this. It's just a contest to figure out what kills you first. So be it what you're smoking, what you're eating, what you're doing, something's got to kill you. Nobody leaves this life alive, simply put. Scott, I think there's also... In, in my mind, a lot of hypocrisy in this and uh, holding him to a double standard, probably from a lot of people who uh, vape, uh, which um, we've all learned recently uh, can be truly hazardous to your health. Uh, and, and it's not as though he's done something that is truly immoral. And, and yet the, uh, the amount of criticism that he's, that he's taken from this, to me, is, is quite surprising. And some of the other things I've heard from anti-tobacco folks um, in regards to this subject is just a matter of it's just so horrible. Why are you doing this? You're setting a bad example. Bad example for who? I don't see a whole bunch of 12-year-olds in the schoolyard sitting here with an Ashton, you know, puffing up or with a lunch break, you know, trying to hurry up and hot box it before um, recess is over. No, they're selling their lunch money for marijuana. They're not selling it for cigars. <laughs> Come on now. True. <laughs> That's the problem. Th- thoughts from... How, thoughts? Many, how many kids when we were at Casa got expelled because there was smoke booming out of the bathroom vent on the bottom because it got caught that way? Come none, on. None that I get thoughts over there? 
But I don't know. I, I, I just think it's an ir- awkward it, silence. Yeah, it's an irresponsible choice. And, and you know, you can criticize someone all you want. But in the end, when you're talking about someone who is an adult, they're free to make their own choices. And it just might be my opinion, and it might get us some hate mail, but so be it. But parents need to take a more active role in raising their children. If tobacco's bad and that's their belief, then they need to instill that in their children and not expect someone else, particularly a celebrity, to do it for them. Or the government. Absolutely. Speaking of the government... Let's talk a little bit about the war on tobacco. I mean, we see a lot of that here in California. I can't speak to other states, um, maybe New York, um, maybe Pennsylvania, but we have incrementally almost to the point of criminalized tobacco. You see it all all over the place, tobaccofreecalifornia.com. And, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this for all you anti-smokers, but wait a minute, I'm on a cigar podcast, so if you guys are listening – you like smoking cigars, so what am I worried about? But there's all sorts of things. There's people asking questions. Well, can you sue your neighbor for um, secondhand smoke? If you're a non-smoker and your neighbor's smoking in their own home that has no walls, um, no sharing walls, there's actually something on the internet that, that gives you, excuse me, something on the internet that actually gives you instructions on how to talk to your neighbor. To ask, ask them to smoke away from them on your property. Not to mention the municipalities who have outright outlawed smoking, smoking of any kind. Say Walnut Creek, um, California. Rockland, California. You can't smoke in their parks. There's a drive to um, stop people from smoking on federal land in California parks. Burbank, California. You cannot smoke on the sidewalk. You literally cannot smoke in the city unless you're on private property. Absolutely. And I believe Morgan Hill, you can't even smoke on your property. You can't smoke within the city limits. So that seems like it's taking away the right of the average person. And I would agree. Thoughts, Sarah? You know, it's, it's really interesting to hear all of our friends travel and finding uh, new places that we can't smoke anymore um, and how that's changing. Um, and it's and it's hard because I have friends who have like health issues. And so things like the apartment smoking is always a thing that hits a little close to home. But at the same time, um, the not being able to smoke on a sidewalk or the fact that when Greg and I went up to Sonoma County and we couldn't smoke on our um on our campsite when there wasn't really anybody near us it's just it's it's nearly getting out of hand and it was funny because you and i were abiding by the law yet that wonderful skunky odor permeated the air yeah you know it's funny though i travel a lot and so being from california i'm super sensitive to the fact that uh, there's so much regulation of tobacco here. So I will go to other states and I will politely ask at a hotel if I can smoke in the courtyard. And they'll look at me like I'm from outer space. Like, why would you think that you couldn't do that? Tell me, Bob, how does freedom feel? <laughs> it's nice. It is It is nice to go someplace where uh, you're you're treated with respect. Uh, you're treated as though you're human, uh, and um, that that there's an accommodation where you can uh, actually 
have a place where you can comfortably sit down uh, and enjoy a cigar. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, Bob, because I, I worked at a hotel for about a year um, in this area. And um, and I've had we've had friends who have traveled and who are cigar smokers and and asking the polite question of, am I able to smoke on your patio? And um, finding out that once you say you're a cigar smoker, generally speaking, they treat cigar smokers much better than the average cigarette smoker. Um, so in the places where it is absolutely allowed, there's generally a favor, favorable response for the cigar smoker. And sometimes there is even a favorable response uh, I've found in hotels in California uh, where they would not otherwise allow cigarette smoking. Yes. I think a lot of that, too, has to do with, with the owner of the hotel. I had that experience in Seattle, in fact. Um, and I think you were there more recently than I was, Sarah. But is it? do they still have the no smoking in public for the most part? No smoking in public. At you all. will see. You will. Well. <laughs> uh-huh. It is Washington after all. Um, <laughs> as I was walking around one afternoon, um, I was followed by a very familiar scent. Um, but yes, there there is, for the most part, there's no smoking inside. Um, there's no smoking inside. And so a lot of people will be running from point A to point B. Um, especially as the weather starts to change, um, speeding through their cigar. <laughs> yeah, never a good idea. I think the other reason why places are a little more accepting of cigar smokers over cigarette smokers is the etiquette of cigar smokers. Because typically your cigar smoker, the ash ends up in the ashtray and so does the butt. doesn't end up on the ground anywhere. And let me just do a quick PSA. Don't be that guy. When you finish your cigar... Dispose of it properly. Don't throw it in the gutter. Don't throw it out your window. You know, be polite. But I think most cigar smokers are ladies and gentlemen and um, very courteous. So I don't think it's a huge problem, but it just has to be said. I I think so, too. I know that, uh, you know, especially not to rehash a, a subject that we talked about before, but when we were in Denver... I was quite surprised with all the facilities that Smoker Friendly put out for people to dispose of their cigars. Um, that next day when we went back to the Omni, somebody had thrown their cigar their cigars in the in the gutter of the hotel. And it was like, really? We, we as a group don't do that. So I was kind of surprised. Either they're new smokers or they don't care. I'd agree with you on that one. And um, with that, um, Bob... I wanted to talk to you about a little something that's near and dear to your heart that I have absolutely no experience in without choking to death, the retrohale. Well, this could be fun then. Let's have some fun. Okay, so well, much fun. The, I, from the time I started smoking cigars, I've retrohaled. And um, it's kind of funny because when I try to do anything else, it's, it's fairly awkward. And as I've, as I've talked to you guys, I've learned that uh, apparently most cigar smokers get, actually don't get most of their flavor on the palate. They get it from the aroma of the cigar itself. When you retrohale, what you're doing is you're taking the, the smoke in through your mouth and you're breathing it out through your sinuses. And um, there, there are so many more uh, 
taste receptors in your sinuses than there are on your palate. So, uh, frankly, you get not only a lot more flavor, but in a lot of times different flavors than you get. Uh, and the flavors being exhaled are quite different in my experience from what you get in the aroma. And so, um, we're gonna to we're gonna do a little experiment here. So, if uh, listeners you have not lit up yet, now's a good time to uh, pull out a stick and uh, light it up. And we're gonna we're gonna all try some retrohaling here. So, we've got a couple of different methods to try. Uh, the first one we're gonna do. So, I'll read through it, uh, and then you can, and then we'll go through it in in practice. So, first you're gonna take a puff from your cigar. Uh, you're going to let out most of the smoke, but then close your mouth. Make sure you, you've left a bit in there. And then, then let the air out, the, re, the remaining air out through your nose. Okay, you got that? You're going to take your puff, blow most of the smoke out, close your mouth, and then blow the rest of the smoke out through your nose. Let's try that. I think it should be noted, Bob, try not to get the smoke into your lungs. Well, that's always good. Okay, hold on. I'm getting my phone out. I'm dialing nine. And one. So when you, I start gagging, I can hit one. Do you, do you want me to? Do you want me to have your mute button ready for your cough, Scott? <laughs> okay, guys. And let's here go. We go. Here we go. I didn't get nothing. I felt it go through my nose, but I'm not getting any notes of anything. It just. You know, I'm getting burning and... <laughs> and see, that's where I differ from you, Scott, because I didn't get anything going out my nose. It all stayed in my mouth. Well, there you have Crazy. it. <laughs> I, and, I, I, and, and, and Scott, you make an interesting point because um, when you retrohale, you tend to smoke lighter cigars because the stronger cigars, particularly the stronger Nicaraguan cigars, um, you will get what we will call... <laughs> Uh, black pepper out uh, through your sinuses, and it will burn them terribly. I just succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> and what were the notes you t- you tasted, Greg? Cough. <laughs> so do so. We do tend to smoke lighter cigars. Most of the cigars that I've smoked now fall into the mild to medium and medium range. Uh, occasionally, I'll smoke a. A stronger cigar than that, but uh, you got to recognize you're going to have a lot of that black pepper coming through on those stronger cigars. Okay, let's try another method here. Uh, so you're going to take a puff on your cigar, again blow out most of the smoke, then you're going to push that smoke that remains in your mouth uh, back to the back of your mouth with your tongue, and then force it out through your nose. So let's try that. You got that? I'm afraid. Okay, so you're going to use your tongue. Push it back, and then blow out through your nose. <coughs> how, how was that one, Greg? <laughs> I'm just not good at this. Well, apparently you're doing something. You know, the sad part is, Bob, <laughs> when I first started smoking, I used to be able to do this, but I don't seem to be able to do it now. Okay. I seem to be reliving the nightmare when I was eight and I snuck a cigarette. 
Yeah, and of course, my dad smoked menthol. So I took a big hit of menthol because I'm a big man. (laughs) Oh, God, I was sick for the rest of the afternoon. And the funny part was me in in my room with the door closed. (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I... I do get, it's not so much a, I'm picking up extra notes, but the little whiff that came up there, it does, it does, it's almost like the Chinese mustard trick. It opens the palate and, or opens the sinuses and, and it may not be that I can tell the notes per se, but I got a little bit more of a euphoric kind of smell of the aroma. A little heavier than that. I think one. <laughs> You're right over there, Craig. All right, brother. The only way I can do this is I have to breathe it into my lungs. <laughs> I can I can accomplish it don't, that way. Don't do that. <clears throat> I'll get used to it eventually. Please Greg, don't do that, Greg. I think I think one of the things that happens is particularly with stronger cigars, that pepper tends to mask a lot of the more subtle flavors. Um, I'm on this beautiful Opus X that I'm smoking. I'm getting just a lot of nice creamy flavor, none of the pepper. Again, it's a Dominican, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I'd have to say that I'd agree with you on the Dominican. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna try one last method here. Okay. Uh, maybe this will work for you, Greg. Okay, you're gonna take your puff, blow out again most of the smoke, then while holding the remaining smoke in your mouth, pull your jaw in and upward while keeping your mouth closed, and you're going to force that air in your mouth up through your nose, and you're going to exhale. This is my favorite one to watch everybody do. (laughs) Yeah, this is fun. Okay, guys, here we go. (laughs) 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 We really need video on this. Do it, and I couldn't. Couldn't even get there. <laughs> when we get to video, folks, we'll reshoot this scene for you guys. <laughs> oh, I was making funny faces at Sarah as I did that. So for those of you who can't retrohale like I do, what I do is when I'm smoking a cigar, I take a puff, then I gently breathe it out so it rolls past my nose, and then I breathe a little in that way, and that's how I get the aroma. And I, I think one thing I'd add is that in order to get the most out of that aroma, you want to exhale slowly. Slowly. Uh, the the faster you exhale, <coughs> the more, I think, more pepper you're going to get. And also, you're going to miss a lot of the flavor. And you blow most of it away from your face, too. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. It burns. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. God, it burns. It's a Smeagol <laughs> moment, folks. Uh-oh. <laughs> That method works, though, Bob. It looks ridiculous, but it works. <laughs> That's all that matters? I know what I'll look like when I need dentures 30 years from now. <laughs> but for me, I get I get so much enjoyment and so much more re- relaxation uh, when I smoke by retrohaling. And as, as I said, for me, it's the natural way that I smoke anyway. But um, I do find it quite enjoyable. Yeah. All right, that's going to take some practice. Although I personally, I enjoy just you know taking the um, smoke in and blowing it out, and as Craig said, just you know sensing it through my nose that way instead of forcing it from my mouth to my nose because all the you know I don't get the notes that people describe that it's 
creamy or spicy or I really taste the oak or the cedar. It's just, oh, God, it burns. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) It burns us. (laughs) I'm melting. What a world. What a world. What a world. So, you know, the retrohale conversation, it brings something to mind that, that I think we might want to touch bases on, too, even if it's just brief. Is uh, and Craig, please feel free to put in your input on this. You know there are three major types of cutters, and the type of cut you choose, I think, does affect how your your smoking experience goes. There's a straight cut, a guillotine cut. There's a V cut, which cuts a channel in the cigar, and then there's a punch. And I know that most of us here. I don't want to speak for everybody, but most of us usually prefer a straight cut for the most part. Um, What's your thoughts on those different types of cuts, Craig? Well, I don't think it affects the experience all that much. I know for certain people, like if they're doing a box pressed, particularly a like a 60 box pressed, it's really hard to get it in a guillotine cutter unless it's a 70 ring gauge, so they'll punch them. I mean, for me, I'm a big fan of the straight cut. I like the butterfly cut where you squeeze both sides and it cuts it that way. But uh, for the most part, it doesn't change the experience too much, in my opinion. I think for new smokers, particularly those who don't know how to cut it properly, one of the best cutters to cut with is a V-cut because it has the depth gauge already set up. So you put the cigar in and cut it. You don't have to worry about how much you're cutting off. Or with a straight cut, unless you have one that has a back that is designed to, to uh, stop at a certain point, Unless you have one of those, it's really easy to cut with a V-cut because it's just it's pretty simple. Stick it in, cut it, and you're good to go. And with a punch, the secret to that is, is uh, <coughs> don't go too fast because if you try to shove it in there as opposed to twist it and twist it in, it'll make a nice smooth cut and it won't break the wrapper. I mean, that's really what I think. I don't, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. Okay. It's a matter of preference. Like there's anything, there's no one right way to cut a cigar, but there are a lot of wrong ways. Have you ever seen that guy... Take a cigar, slide the cutter a half inch down the cigar, and then Aww. cut. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Oh, no, definitely him. not. <laughs> no, and and you know, I I can tell you when I first learned to cut a cigar, they didn't have, um, you know, the 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 shop here has a a cutter on the counter that gives you two different guillotines and two different V cuts in different sizes. They didn't have that when I started smoking here. They had a manual cutter behind the counter. So it was always a guillotine cut for me. And you're right, Craig. Um, when I started smoking the Javas, it was a punch. Um, you know, uh, it was Rich at that time. And Rich would get the, the, the punch out and punch that out. And it would be very slow, very methodical to not crack that wrapper leaf. Indeed. But I know for me, the V cut, I tend to shy away from and... Here's something for you. If, you knew, if you're new to it and you're wanting to try it, please go forth and do. We encourage you to try all the different methods. But for the V-cut, you have to be very careful that you're not crushing and compacting the tobacco as you're smoking it because you'll reduce the flow and it becomes very hard to smoke your cigar. For and me personally, I like the straight cut because I get the maximum draw from it. The punch doesn't do a lot because I find myself trying to draw in more smoke because there's just not enough space there to give me a, you know, for lack of a better word, a full, you know, hit of the cigar. You know, I, 
just don't like the feel of the V cut in my mouth. It just doesn't feel natural to me. Um, for those who um, have trouble cutting the right length with a straight cut, you have you have cutters that have backings to them. So mm -hmm. you can just press it up against the backing and cut it, and you're going to get a good, clean cut every time. I'm a very big fan of those. When I was starting out, yeah, I was that guy. You know, you get it. You know, if you have one of the um, guillotine cutters with no backing, you go in there and you chop off probably about, um, realistically, about maybe um, a little more than, or just shy of a quarter of an inch. And then you're wondering why your cigar is falling <laughs> apart. <laughs> Unraveling. Hey, we all started out from somewhere and then we, we learned and knew better. Yeah, we I, did. I think all of us have cut past the cap at oh. some point. In oh, time. Yeah. absolutely. But one of the things that I do like about that specific cutter is um, this, the shop that Scott and I met at um, would do um, movie nights or any time that I was out late there late and we would do a movie. And if I'm grabbing a cigar, I'm not going to turn on a light and disturb what's happening. Um, and so those cutters are great um, because then I know that I've cut my cigar without completely destroying it and I can light it without having a light on. Um, and so those can come in very handy in certain situations. Oh, no doubt. That's why I'm a very big fan of those. You don't need a lot of light. You can just do it by just, you know, just by feel. Mm. Just make sure you cut the right end. Well, <laughs> sure. And light the and right light end. The right end. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're laughing like we're holier than now. But how many of us have done that? We've all done it. We're all oh, raising yeah. our yep. hands. Guilty. I'll yep. never admit to it, but I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and when Scott and I were researching for Starting Beyond the Humidor, we came across a podcast, um, a video podcast, and... You'll forgive me, I don't remember the fellow's name or what the podcast was called, but his episode was on smoking a cigar backwards. He actually had a um, an idea to take, and I'm not knocking his cigar choice, so let's not knock his cigar choice, but he took a Cuba Cuba, he cut the cap, and lit the cap end and smoked it backwards, and... His assessment, it, it might be an experiment, not to steal his idea, but it might be an experiment we try on the show. He said it was a different smoking uh, experience smoking it backwards. So you never know. It could be could be an interesting segment. Yeah. You know what? When I become president, that kind of person will be sent to a FEMA camp for their own good. <laughs> and, Greg, when we do that, can we do it with something other than a Cuba Cuba? Swisher uh, yes. Grace. Yes. <laughs> Dutch <laughs> masters all around. Or uh, what was the other one that we got the, I forget, anyway. White Owl. White Owl, that'd be a good <laughs> option too. So I want to take a few seconds here. I want to say thank you to a couple of people. One in particular, my techno genius over here, Sarah. You know, I don't understand, and Scott and I can mirror this one. We don't understand Instagram. We barely understand Facebook. And uh, so I want to say on the air, thank you for all your help with the podcast, getting it going, getting the website going. You've been incredibly invaluable with with helping me with WordPress and not throwing my computer against the wall and uh, and continued with this project. So I appreciate it and thank you. And on that note, you're also fired. <laughs> Good thing I don't listen to you. It has been 
my absolute pleasure. I'm glad you're having fun. If we want to call it that. Sure. And, uh, you know, my resident tobacconist, Craig, you know, most of you know we're related. And uh, he and I have both worked for, for our recording studio that doubles as a cigar shop. So thank you for joining us. Bob, as always, our brand ambassador. He travels a lot more than we do. Thank you. And our resident, you know, I don't know what he does, but he does a lot. Project manager, everything like that. Thank you, Scott. Larry is our merch guy. Um, though we have not gotten merch yet, we're working on that for you guys. I want to thank him if he's listening. And Lewis, you know, you bring so much to the table, and we appreciate all your help, too. So we thank you all. Thank you very much. I just want to remind everybody that uh, we are on the Internet. We are at LumisCigarCartel.com. We have a Facebook presence, also Loomis Cigar Cartel. Sarah, what's our Instagram and Twitter? Uh, Twitter is at LC Cartel, and Instagram is at Loomis Cigar Cartel. We'd love for you guys to follow us. We want to see see you, see what you're smoking. You know, some of the some of the topics that have come up, we've gotten directly from uh, what people have posted. Keep letting us know what we're doing. We love hearing for it. Anybody got any other thoughts? Well, before we um, end episode five, and let me just say on a personal note, I work with some fantastic folks on this project that um, we started back in November. And I want to say I appreciate each and every one of you as we end episode five and look forward to making so, so many more and some good news. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Um, our podcast has a new home on buzzsprout.com. We have a presence on Apple iTunes at this point, as well as Spotify. If you have an Alexa, if you allow one of those in your house, if you ask it to play the Beyond the Humidor podcast, it will do just that. Let's not forget Google Podcast as well. Without a doubt. And we are pending on iHeartRadio. We expect that to make a presence there within the next week or so, as well as Stitcher and all the other um, Apple-related podcasts. Um, and I can't remember Podshare. Um, oh, geez, I can't remember. But we um, have a presence on Apple. So any Apple-related product that you have or podcast that you listen to, we are on their directories as well. Or just do a good old-fashioned Google search of Beyond the Humidor, and you will come across our episodes as well. Absolutely, you will. And uh, since Lewis is not here, his personal phrase that's my favorite, ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun tonight. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Cut it, light it, enjoy it, smoke it, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>